We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tri from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by co-host Dallas Hammer, holding it down Spokane. Dallas, how's it going? Uh, We are almost a single digits away from Vandal football, so I don't think I could be better than I am at this moment. Well, there's no losses, but you should be stoked because there's a lot to be stoked about this season. And we're also joined by producer Martin, who joined me in Moscow, along with a handful of other uh, other Tubbs patrons like Nick Weber, our favorite freshman, Patty, uh, Taylor Cash as well. Martin, how's it going? I'm doing good. It's school started. Moscow's waking up again, and I'm I'm excited for football. Again, as as you should be. Now, we're going to jump into a round of our brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. The whole point of today's episode is we're going to preview University of Idaho's prospects for the 2022 football season and look to kick it off. Martin and I were both in Moscow last week to watch the Saturday to watch the second scrimmage. And look, one of the stories for Idaho is quarterback. What's going to go on? quarterback wise and honestly from what we've been told outside of the show and from what we saw in person i'm close to saying i'm pretty damn sure who the starter is going to be what i saw and martin i want you to tell me if you interpret it different or if there's anything else i miss here on saturday most of the first team snaps overwhelming majority were split between giovanni mccoy redshirt freshman and C.J. Jordan, technically redshirt sophomore, but he he has four years to play. And Jaboria Gibbs, we've talked about transfer from grad transfer from South Dakota State. He did not take as many snaps. Jaboria Gibbs did look pretty good. He just didn't take a ton of snaps through a 40-yard touchdown pass. Uh, but the, the big thing was, it appeared to be for Eck and Co., was a comparison between Giovanni McCoy and C.J. Jordan. And... Man, Giovanni McCoy looked very good. Should have thrown a pick six on his first pass, but after that, mellowed out through a lot of of good passes. Thank you, Patty, in the comments section for clarifying CJ is listed as a redshirt freshman because he should be. He's he's a third-year freshman. COVID rules are weird, but that's why I said sophomore, my bad. Redshirt freshman, but a third-year freshman. Um, after that one pass, Man, Giovanni McCoy was absolutely playing lights out. We've talked forever on this show about all the practice reports is, are that the secondary for Idaho looks, looks much better. Giovanni made a lot of good passes. Most of his connections, too, were not on guys who were wide open. So if you're curious if that, like, Bresky cushion truly is gone, it is. Giovanni McCoy just looked like he made a statement. And I again, now this is us speculating. But best information we have, and from what we saw, it looks like Javon, Like, if you're going to gamble who the starting quarterback for Idaho should be, it looks like Giovanni is one, unless something changes radically, and I, I doubt it will. Because man, he he took he took the most snaps as at the one, 
and he played real well. CJ took second most snaps at one, and he was he was a little more up and down. Some of the struggles we saw in the spring, where you know he looked like he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long, looked like me like this is a, maybe a head issue. Where we know he's talented, we've heard the practice reports from like Taron Kovac, who was on our show, who said CJ looks great in practice. It looks like for some reason that's just not translating for CJ in, at this moment, which is why takeaway for me based off snaps based off improve improvement Giovanni McCoy looks like the guy and the guy I, I I would safely gamble right now as Idaho's starting quarterback heading into the season Martin tell me same interpretation what I miss I'd I'd say the same thing if you were to just take somebody off the street and told them to watch practice and guess who the starting quarterback was I think Nine, I think most of them, most if not all, would say the same thing that Geo is the starter from everything we from everything we saw on Saturday. I, mean, I was unable to make it to the scrimmage, but if Geo is the starter, what a what a ride for this kid. Uh I know in the spring he he was not particularly high up the depth chart. They had Borish in at quarterback above him and then ended up clawing his way up the chart in practice. Started the spring game. I know that the spring game was not necessarily great for our offense, but you know if if he's clawed from that to where you guys are talking about him being legitimately very good in in that scrimmage, hey, we might have found the guy for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, two two other points I want to bring up. One, this is a thing that I think Vandal fans should be stoked about. Jason Eck got a transfer that he worked with out of South Dakota State, a guy who started under an offense coordinated by Jason Eck. That guy, Jabori Gibbs, is not the starter, which I bring that up because it's just reflective of we were told when Gibbs came in, he came in to compete. It was a real competition. And the guy who transferred in as a grad transfer did not win out the job. Second, and the comparison, Dallas, because you, you brought up the spring. The difference between CJ and Giovanni in the spring from all reports, it was more a battle of attrition of like who, who was kind of screwing up the least. Which also based off when Eck was here, that's early. The offense should struggle with new new concepts. This was not that. Giovanni looked like a good quarterback. He looked like a guy that when I left the practice, I thought, okay, well, if he's going to be our starter, this is good news. I'm stoked. Guy looks good. He's got arm talent. He can run well enough. You know, he's six foot one eighty, but who cares about the size if you're if you got an arm like his. You don't have to be 6'5 in the big sky. Hell, you don't have to be 6'5 in the, in the NFL. So he's big enough. Uh, we have other questions that might help dictate how how he does as a starter, but best information, guys, we're going to say, uh, I'm going to say at the very least, best information has not been formally announced, but Giovanni McCoy looks like the starter, which leads us to the second point. We're going to now talk about the, the upcoming season. We're going to get go through game by game in a little bit, but I want to throw this back to Dallas. I think there's kind of two ways to approach how Idaho is going to be this season. And there's look, there's the case for, for being for improvement relative to last season. There's the case for being stoked about how things are going to be, which I'd say is the case for Idaho finishing above 500. And separately, we know new coach that there can be some growing pains. There's going to be a case for Idaho to finish below 500, depending on which facets of the team you're focusing on. Dallas, I want to throw it to you. Let's just start going over to the case for Idaho above 500 first. Pick a position group and we'll go. 
I mean, I have to start this off with the head coach position because that's the one that matters the most here. That is, if if the if you're trying to make an argument that Idaho is going to go over 500 this year for the first time since 2016, the the argument that you have to be making is Jason Eck is going to be that much better of a coach than Paul Petrino was, uh, and I don't think that's that's outside the realm of possibility. I think we're probably going to see it halfway through the Washington State game. Of wow, this is what we were missing for the last nine years and then the achy tenure. And it's been a long time since we've had somebody that we, we really thought was a good coach. I know that it's, it's first year and it's going to be jury out for four or five years, but the excitement here that Eck might be a lot better than Petrino was, is, is really the the thing that you're going to hang your hat on. The other thing is look, the, the Idaho defense had its problems with the cushion of death, uh, but the the one consistent thing here has been the linebackers. That's not going to change this year. Uh, favai, Favai, uh, preseason, all big sky, uh, coming back for his second uh, second full season with Idaho. I know there's the spring season, but realistically, second full fall season. Uh, last year, 76 tackles. Uh, I'm ex- expecting he's going to kind of take that Trey Walker role and end up being the one of the leaders of the team. Actually, they just announced the captains. He was named as one of the captains this year. No surprise there. Uh, there's also a couple transfers, Giuliano Falanico or Justin Falanico, if you ask Brian, uh, as well as Paul Moala. Both of those guys transferred from UC- USC and Notre Dame. They were guys that didn't play a ton there, but they're, I mean, those are some of the most pristine programs in college football, and they transferred here realistically, probably to play. Uh, and then behind them, there's Hogan Hatton. He played a bunch last year. I know he's maybe not uh, spoken about as much as Hayden, his twin, but. He played very well last year, had, I think, 53 tackles. Uh, the the linebacking core is going to be the depth and strength of the defense once again. And if you're expecting Idaho to go over 500, you're going to see the linebackers be one of the best groups in the big sky, and you're hoping that Eck is going to be a giant improvement over Paul Petrino. Yeah, from what I saw at practice, Giuliano Falonico looks like he, he's taken over the Chuck Akano role. He's the edge rusher. Both him and Paul Moala and Moala played with with the ones exclusively as well. Both of them played at the schools they transferred from. Uh, Fall Nico at USC picked up 21 tackles in his career. Moala picked up 22. Other ones where it was pretty clear based off reps. Look, obviously, Favai Favai is going to be starting. He's he's a team captain, all, all preseason, all big sky. And again, he, clearly from what we saw, he, he's, he's a starter as well. Mujib Rufai played a lot with the ones in addition to the, those previous, those other three, uh, which it's that wild kind of Polynesian connection that, uh, I mean, the, the players acknowledged as part of how, why they got, they actually came over to the university of Idaho. Look, another reason, Hey, another part of the case for Idaho being over 500 is in addition to linebackers, look, these, these things just work together is defensive line. Um, we have we have some returners. For example, Leo Tomba. He played linebacker previously on Paul Petrino's teams. He didn't play last season due to injury, but Leo Tomba's back for what because of COVID stuff. You might call a super senior season, uh, but he's a he's a veteran. He's been he's been on Idaho teams where linebacking core was strong, and he fit in absolutely fine. Um, Nate Degraw, redshirt senior. 
he he played last season as well. 17 tackles, two sacks. I mean, he wasn't the big name on the line. Those two guys, Jonah Kim and Noah Ellis, are gone. But Nate DeGraw is look, if you've been to Vandal Games, you've heard or and listen to our show, you've heard the name Nate DeGraw for a while, redshirt senior. Uh, Kamari Bailey. He, he's a sophomore, played as a freshman in 2021, played in eight games, uh, didn't register a gigantic amount of stats. But the reason I'm bringing these names up is the reporting that we have out of practice so far is in spite of many of the names being new relative uh, to the last couple seasons, the D-line still, the reporting was D-line looks pretty good. It's not going to be as as physically big as it has been the last couple seasons. But look, there's... There's also a handful of transfers who came in who are going to help produce, you know, uh, Carter Carlson, redshirt sophomore, transferred from WSU, Ben Bertram, redshirt senior, transferred from FBS New Mexico, and uh, Devontae Keys, uh, junior, transferred from Kilgore College, junior college, which is, I'll just say, look, we have a few guys who've been going up through the system, but also we have a handful of guys who are probably going to play who transferred in as well, uh, where that... D line is one of the clear spots where you could say, look, X recruiting should, we should reap awards from it this coming season, but to further push the case for over 500 Dallas. Look, we've talked about the strength of the defense. There's another side of the ball. We're probably going to get to the, the offense. I mean, the skill positions are pretty set in stone at this point with with guys that are going to be big contributors if you just look at the receiving room Therese trainer last year 50 receptions 737 yards three touchdowns Hayden Hatton missed most of last season but in the spring 43 receptions 613 yards was up there for all big sky awards Zach Borish is now in the receiving room and everybody here knows how just how quick that kid is uh, I don't know if he's actually technically registered any receiving stats, but he led the team in rushing the last two years, so you know he can fly. Uh, Jordan Dwyer, a freshman from Puyallup, uh, his dad was an Eastern football player. They've, they're pretty high on him. Jermaine Jackson is also back. I don't know if you guys remember much about him, but he took two kickoffs in the spring season, blew out his knee on the second kickoff, and then was absent until the very back end of last year, had a tiny bit of... I think he had like five receptions at the very end of the year. Didn't play a ton, but that's a, I mean, there's your five guys right there that are going to get probably a bulk of the snaps. And there's, there's probably young guys that we don't know that haven't had a bunch of stats that are going to get in with this group. This is probably the deepest group on the roster. Yeah. Jordan Dwyer freshman is a name that coaches are real high on because they should be real high on Jordan Dwyer. Um, I, he stood out in the spring in the scrimmage I went to, a trainer didn't play minor injury. They held him out. He it's, he's going to be fine. But Jordan Dwyer, uh, man, can that dude run? Uh, he he looked real strong. We're also going to get more production out of tight end. You know, Alex Moore. He's a converted tight end. Had been wide receiver. He's a pretty clear target favorite target for Giovanni McCoy throughout practice and throughout reporting relating to practice. Uh, that's been at the tight end. One kind of a surprise because when Alex Moore shifted from wide out to tight end, I mean, it, I think either Eck talked about it on our show or Schleisner talked about it. It's essentially told like, hey, switch positions. You're going to get a better shot because you're not going to wide out. You're just not going to rise above the, the rest of the crew right now. Well, he's taking that opportunity and boy, has he ran with it. Uh, Connor Whitney's been an impact, a solid contributor for Idaho for a while. We got to talk about tight ends as pass catchers because we know, one of the things that will be different this year 
is that tight ends are going to be a lot more active offensively than they have been previously with the big name coming out of, of the practices being as far as receptions, receiving yards, Alex Moore, for sure. Um, you know, running backs, I'm going to just start talking about running backs too, because that's another relatively strong position group for us. Roshan Johnson definitely looks like he is the number one running back in that room based off him being captain, based off what we saw at the scrimmage, based off him being picked preseason all big sky. Not that, uh, or sorry, last year he was 13 all big sky. He wasn't picked preseason all big sky. But last year, Roshan Johnson rushed for. Uh, 444 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's a dude who's had the injury bug for a lot of his career, but he's looking good. He's a guy who every time we talk about spring games, he's been a name this show's talked about for three or four years in a row. This year, look, he probably looks about as good as he's looked, considering the team looks better. And he's just clearly one of the leaders of the team. Um, and we have Andre Carter is also, look, he's dropped a ton of weight. Um, his story is a little bit interesting because, you know, 2019 is a freshman. He, he rushes for 615 yards on 5.4 yards per carry. looks like he's just going to be the stalwart for four years. Then he's off the team for grades. Then in 2021, he works himself back onto the team. So good story, but he clearly was not the same guy in 2021 as he was in 2019, which, Hey, he had a year and a half off. That's all. And when you're off the team, you're off the team guys. Uh, your conditioning is all on you. Uh, 2021, he seven touchdowns, which was the same total for 2019, but yards per carry down to 3.9, um, 231 yards total. If he's a what, if he's kind of our number two back or kind of our bruiser back, you have to expect that his production is going to at least move closer to what it was in 2019 because he's been now with the team for two years. But Dallas, I'll let you take over the rest of the running back room. Yeah, I mean, there's also. Elisha Cummings, uh, obviously the probably the most electric runner on the team last year, other than the Borish category, which is already ruined by Petrino deciding to just run him up the middle every single run. Anyways, uh, Elisha Cummings averaged 5.3 yards a carry, had 371 yards, only had the one touchdown, but he did have 12 receptions as well. Uh, I know the coaches are pretty high on him because he, he looked very good last year. Uh, I, I think that you could pro pull just about anybody watching this video right now, and they'd probably say, the running backs were not a problem last year. The the running backs are are a very solid group of guys. There's also a freshman, Anthony Woods. His dad actually played football at Oregon, so he comes from great genes. Uh, one of the freshmen that the the coaches are super excited about. I don't know if he's going to yeah. be able to crack through. He Those broke of, Nick Romano. But. He broke a forty yard touchdown in the in the game in the scrimmage we were at. It was kind of off. It was off a bad snap. It's a weird play, but that's another dude who mm -hmm. he man. He's got some speed. And then you mentioned, you know, I didn't even get to Nick Romano. Nick Romano is probably going to be primarily a kick returner like he was last year, but Nick Romano is also a good running back. There's there's a bunch of guys in this room that, that can all contribute and contribute well if their number is called. And look, we got to hit this real quick. If Zach Boris, Borish is that slash guy, if he's playing the way Jason Eck had made it sound like he was going to play in terms of reps, you'd expect he's going to get some run. He's going to get some runs as well, in addition to short passes. And uh, Borish is joining Romano on kick return as well. So we look, we we hit through some of the relative strengths on both sides of the ball. Dallas, now let's – and like you said, coaching is going to matter. All these position groups look better. And these last few years, look, Idaho talent-wise hasn't been embarrassed in the big sky. That's part of why we've been frustrated. 
And like you said, with the coaching change in theory, the case for Idaho over 500 is look, uh, there's enough talent already there and we're going to use it better this season. That's why we finish above 500, but there's a case for Idaho finishing below 500. I'm going to start and throw it to you for position groups. And the first case is this isn't a Jason Eck thing. This is a virtually every good coach in the big sky. When they come over here, it takes at least a year. Troy Taylor is an anomaly of taking over Sacramento state. They go from no wins to winning the league. But part of that was because in their no win season under Jody Sears, they, they're just decimated injury wise in a way that when everyone's healthy, the next year is just different. Most good coaches. And I'm focusing on the good coaches, not guys who suck. It takes some time. Uh, Bobby Houck, even with strong talent at Montana that he walked into in year one of his first stint, he, they finished six and five. They didn't make the playoffs. Jeff Choten, his first year, Montana State finishes sub 500. We all know what Jeff Choate later did with that program. Jay Hill has completely turned Weber State around. They were sub 500 first year. Look, these are all guys who are good. And that, look, that's not even talking about the current crop of new big sky coaches. Chris Ball, whether he's an improvement at NAU or not, they certainly didn't finish above 500. Bo Baldwin, we know, is an improvement at Cal Poly. And sure, it's a reclamation project, but certainly took more than a year for any sort of improvement to register at Cal Poly. Just all to say, Jason Eck could do everything right, and it would be an average track for Idaho to not finish above 500 in his first year because it football's not basketball where you just need two guys and it changes. We're talking about an entire culture. We're talking about a lot of guys, and also the big thing Eck has talked about building depth at, across positions. That's one of the things that separates the best teams in this conference, your Montanas and Montana States, from maybe your Idaho's is. Montana and Montana State, they have they have depth across multiple position groups where they can take the injuries that will come in a football season. And Eck can't do that in a year. That's a developmental project. That's part of why some of those schools take the amount of time. I'm done filibustering. No, uh, Brian, you you hit on it. It's the depth. The depth is going to be the problem. And the, the first group that I'm going to call out, I, I don't mean this as a shot to any of the players that are going to play a bunch of snaps. I don't mean this as, as a shot at any of the players that aren't going to play any snaps. But the offensive line depth is probably going to be the biggest hurdle for Idaho to get over. And it's, again, it's nothing against the guys that are in that room. It's that almost none of them have really played. So we don't really know what we're going to get with most of them. But if you go through the, the, the lineup here, you've got Logan Floyd, all big sky talent. He's realistically he's going to be a starter this year. It'll be his fifth straight year as a starter because of the COVID thing. And then from then on, it gets into a bunch of question marks. There's Bo St. John. He appeared in nine games last season. He's a senior. And then you get the next guy is Jason Hallback. Now, he might be great. He transferred in from an NAIA school. So there's a there's a pretty big talent gap between the FCS and the NAIA. Now, they went 16, 66-2. and two. His uh, Morningside Mustangs did. They won three NAIA national championships. Like, really big stud program there, and he was the anchor of that team. But it's still a pretty big jump to make. Then after that, you get into guys like Abe Christensen, redshirt sophomore, transferred in from NC State. He played seven games last year. Nate Azapardi played a bunch in the spring, played one game last year due to injury. You have uh, Eli Sanchez. He played two games last year, and they're talking about him starting at center. Uh, that you can actually go on the the football uh, football page on Go Vandals. They have a little like get to know the position groups a little bit more, and they kind of break down the coach's thoughts on some of the guys. It sounds like Eli Sanchez is going to be the starting center. He played two games last year, so we just we don't know. 
Then beyond that, you have Grayson Harwood. He played three games last season and in the spring. And then outside of that, you're talking about guys that have only a couple snaps in their career. So there's seven guys with some legitimate game experience. And I mean, Brian, you said it, the injury thing, like that's what separates teams is how many guys can you get in there? All these guys that Idaho has that haven't really played as uh, producer Martin is scrolling through and you see all these names that I haven't mentioned. There's a ton of offensive linemen on this team, but they're all freshmen and sophomores that have just never played. And so that's, that's the big question mark here is are those young guys going to step in when they are called upon and be incredible or are they going to need some time to season? And that's why it's the biggest question mark to me. And the, the biggest reason Idaho wouldn't go 500. Yeah. Per special correspondent producer, Martin Heemstra, who is at the chalk talk Jason that gave after the scrimmage, Current projected offensive line starters are uh, Logan Floyd, Abe Christensen, Eli Sanchez, like you said, Dallas at center, Bo St. John, and Jason Halbeck, uh, with Azerpardi being the sixth. With sorry, with Nate Azerpardi, he's a sophomore, being the the sixth offensive line starter, and the reporting we've been given and Jake Sinek has also brought this up in his own interviews released through the Vandals own social media account our ones on the offensive line look good and by the way at the scrimmage the offensive line the ones did look pretty good for what Jason Sinek has brought up is that and what Taryn Kovach in the reporting he's done and been on our shows brought up there it's a bit of a jump from the ones to the twos we have a lot of guys who are younger who just need more time to get to get bigger and we know offensive line linemen are going to go down. So look that that's the the, the big issue you're going to see across the groups where there's question marks is one do we have enough depth and if we finish below 500 the answer especially on the O-line is probably going to be we had too much injuries relative to the depth we had if we finished uh, sub 500. Uh, look another Another group, which I don't want this to sound harsh at all on um, on our de- our defensive backs, uh, cornerbacks. Um, it's just that last season Idaho was the worst passing defense in the league. We do have look some transfers. We know Matthias Bertram, redshirt sophomore from transfer from New Mexico. He's going to be starting at safety. I uh, know for no also Mervin Kenyon the third. He's a junior college transfer from City of. City College of San Francisco. He's going to spend some time at safety as well. And reporting we've had is that Marcus Harris, who he was on Idaho last season, he's a transfer from Oregon State. Reports have been that he has looked, he has been a notable, uh, str- strong cornerback on a group that has looked good in practice, especially relative to last season. But even a pretty significant improvement for this team because of where they're at doesn't put Idaho at what you'd call a good pass defense yet. We're optimistic about it, but realistically until that worst defense pass defense in the league shows that it's above the midline of the conference, you know, that coaches are going to probably still try to pick on our secondary. And by the way, they should, because if our linebackers and linemen are as good as, as we've seen, this is the group a smart coach would pick on. Exactly. And that's the, the thing here is uh, we still, we have a lot of question marks in this, this group. There's, there's guys that, that have come back. Like you said, Marcus Harris, he had 47 tackles last year. He did have an interception, a couple pass breakups. Warrior Noyle is back. 
he's played in four plus games every year that he's been here since 2018. So he's, he's on his super senior COVID year. I think he's a red shirt. So it's probably his sixth year here. Uh, he had seven tackles. He had a, a pass breakup. Like he played a lot in the secondary. There's Jeremiah Salam. He had seven tackles and three pass breakups. He transferred from Kent state. So, you know, the talents there, maybe he just didn't play a bunch last year. The McCormick brothers are still here. And then you're talking about guys like Michael Noyle and Kyron Beecham that might be great in the secondary, but they were receivers last year, or at least they their stats last year were receptions. Uh, I know that Michael Noyle was a receiver. I, I don't remember if Beecham was listed as a DB or a receiver, but that's kind of the the question marks here is, yeah, there's a handful of guys that we know have transferred in and are going to play a bunch. There's a couple guys still here that played last year on a admittedly awful pass defense and then we're talking about guys that are transferring over from different positions a bunch of guys as, you, as martin scrolls through the list there a bunch of guys that don't have a lot of playing time it's kind of that same thing as the offensive line we don't really know what we're going to get here we were really high on uh josh jones when he transferred in a couple years ago haven't really seen a bunch of him maybe a new coach turns things around like it's it's going to be a really really diverse group that's going to look a lot different, I think, than previous years have. And I, I think that's going to be for the better, but how much better, we just don't know. Yeah, And in the comment section, we got uh, Kurt Borchard telling us secondary looks very strong back in the spring, should be a strength. Marcus Harris equals stud. And look, it's this is one of the questions now in relating to our questions is if Rob Orich, there's a lot of excitement about him as a coach, the different strategy he's going to bring, I can tell you, watching the scrimmage i mean our defense did look different the cushion of death was not there and maybe some of the guys who shifted from wide receiver to cornerback that could explain hey there's talent here we didn't have last season maybe that's part of what pushes this group up it's just look we're, we're now talking about layers of if this happens this is how the secondary is strong doesn't mean those can't happen but projecting right now that's why hey this would be part of the case of look idaho might still might finish under 500 uh, we're going to hit another a group we talked about earlier for a moment when we talked about spring update, which to me the case for under 500 is quarterback, which is not that I'm low on our quarterbacks. It's, look, we're going to be, if Giovanni McCoy is the guy, which best best information is that McCoy is the one. I mean, to be clear, X said it was down to a two-person race. It Last week when we talked, it had been a four-person race. Understanding is the two-person race is that it's Giovanni McCoy and Jabari Gibbs, and that everyone should expect based off reps and based off performance that Giovanni McCoy is the guy. Well, Giovanni McCoy, if you're excited about him as a starter, which I am because I've seen him play, it's because you're looking – you're you're trusting in development because in the little Giovanni played last season, we saw one touchdown, four interceptions, 46.9% completion percentage, 205 yards in two partial games played. Those are not fantastic. The, they were against Eastern Washington, Montana, but those are no one who's not a Vandal is going to look at those stats and think, well, there's an all big sky quarterback. Now, Vandals are going to re should read improvement into McCoy because he look, he looked like a different guy when I watched him play in, in the scrimmage. He's got a cannon. It's one of the things we've been hoping out of the quarterback, but even if he improves, he's a first year starter, red shirt, freshman, even good red shirt freshmen are going to have some issues with turnovers or they're going to have some struggles. And that's going to be a re 
could be a reason why Idaho finishes below 500, which is even if Giovanni has a very good season for a redshirt freshman, there's going to be some ups and downs with a redshirt freshman quarterback. Fans just have to buckle up for him. I mean, the other thing that we need to buckle up for is probably seeing Giovanni, Jabore, and CJ all at extended times this season. Uh, it's been a really long time since Idaho named a quarterback and the guy actually made it through the season. Uh, that that would be a huge change in itself and a huge improvement in itself. If, if Giovanni is the guy, if he goes out there, plays like he's the guy, and then stays healthy the whole season, that would be incredible. But Idaho is notorious, at least through the end of the Petrino regime, for trotting out four or five quarterbacks because they keep getting hurt. So luckily, I think we've all felt pretty good about Giovanni, about the things that you've said about him in the, the scrimmage. Jabore has obviously succeeded with Ek before. We've all talked about CJ's talent level. Just can he put it all together on the field? Jack Lane came in as a walk-on and was apparently in this quarterback competition. Ridge Dutchikal, super highly recruited guy. There's another quarterback I'm forgetting, and I'm terribly sorry if you're listening. No, you're not. Tyler Webb transferred. Thank you. You're correct. I was who I was in. I was who was in my mind. So okay, I covered the quarterbacks. We're good. So there is a legitimate chance that we still see all of these guys, and that is either a really good or a really bad thing because they're again the depth here is true freshman, true freshman, third year freshman, redshirt junior that has been out of football for a couple of years from an injury, and and that's the. That's going to be the question here. If if yeah. Geo goes down, is Jabore ready? Is CJ ready? Does Idaho have the depth to, to succeed here? And like I know, Dallas, you're doing an extreme version of this. If Idaho sees five quarterbacks, we're not finishing over 500, which I don't – there's no reason to me to expect seeing five. But your point about quarterback injuries is, is absolutely taken by all Vandal fans. Now, all Vandal fans are also going to say, look, we probably aren't – CJ Jordan got hurt last year on designed runs. Paul ran quarterbacks way too much. And I don't think Jason Eck is going to try to do that. But your point being, even if Giovanni looks good, which he absolutely has, he may, there may be growing pains with him. If he's injured and Jabore Gibbs is in, Jabore Gibbs has good stats from when he played in 2019, six touchdowns, four interceptions, 58.9% completion percentage, but he's been on the shelf for two years. CJ Jordan, has a ton of raw talent, but we haven't seen him put it together. Uh, the coaches haven't seen him put him together enough to put him in the starting lineup. So, like, I mean, good news is we legitimately have three guys who appear close to each other for different reasons, but they all have their question marks or they'd all be starting elsewhere. Maybe um, we're pretty close to having run through mo through the majority of our position groups I think I'm ready to talk about how the uh, go through the season. Dallas, are you? I would like to quickly go through the uh, Alex Boatman Memorial special teams talk for about 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, new kicker this year. It seems like uh, Ricardo Chavez transferred in from Riverside city college. He was a junior college, all American. He was a kicker and punter both. I'm assuming he'll be, probably the primary kicker. I'm assuming he's going to beat out Logan Prescott just based on his numbers. He's 28 for 32 in his career from field goal distance and 91 out of 92 PATs. So I see producer Martin has hopped in. The floor is yours. I've got nothing. I'm just getting ready for season talk. Fair enough. 
that was that was uh, the Alex Coleman Memorial Special Teams talk. Yeah, that's a different version of the Amateur Hour, guys. Brought to you by Tubbs of the Club. So, speaking of brought to you by Tubbs of the Club, look, we're still in Around the Bar. Brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River no return, Salmon River Kings, Canyons of the Selway, and you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And we now have a season to go through, which, guys, instead of just picking how Idaho is going to finish, we're going to walk through game by game. Producer Martin, you are on the shelf for you are off the shelf for this as well. Week one, September 3rd, Idaho opens at Washington State. Uh, Dallas, we're about to talk along about that episode, about that game next week. But look, we know this game is a pay game. Idaho is doing this to fund the athletic department. I'm going to pick Idaho to lose because we're paying, playing a Pac-12 team. We should expect Idaho loses. The big thing is just getting away without losing some of our depth and having a, a respectable enough outing so that we don't lose some of the excitement. I mean, that's that's the only thing you can hope for. I know there are people that are very excited and think that Idaho is going to come out and punch the Cougs in the mouth, but everybody seems to forget that this Wazoo team was actually really good last year. Their record was only 7-6 and six because they couldn't score. So what happened when uh, Rolo got fired? They... Defensive coordinator comes in, brings in Cam Ward from Incarnate State, the freshman of the year in the FCS, through for 40-some touchdowns. They're moving back to the air raid. They're probably going to score more points. Their defense is going to be unbelievable. Uh-uh. Just hope for hope for health. The next week, September – oh, Martin, I ran right over you, dude. It's all good. I'm just going to keep it short and simple. Even though I am Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows during these previews, I am going to go the big fat L for Idaho. And of course, Dallas knows we'll forgive him. Cameron Ward went to Incarnate Word. Uh, Tubbs at the club. Uh, group chat. Um, Supervisor Martin may have typed that. But okay, week two. Idaho at Indiana, and this is just a pain in the ass that Idaho starts with back-to-back Power 5 games to fund the athletic department. But um, look, Idaho, again, first two weeks, the goal is to not get embarrassed and to not decimate our depth. I'm picking a loss in Indiana. Yeah, same here. There, it's, a, it's a loss. Indiana was awful last year, and they beat Idaho by 40. It, it, not a chance. It's. I hope it's going to be a lot closer, but I still think it's going to be another L for Idaho. Third week where Idaho hosts Drake. And to me, this is where the actual season begins, and I'm going to be a little bit more uh, emotionally invested in the games. Drake's an FCS team. Drake's non-scholarship pioneer. This is an absolute must-win for Idaho, but... Drake, talent-wise, is probably not better than some of the better D2 teams. 
This is where Idaho gets to turn it around. Definitely going to pick Idaho winning at home against Drake and probably winning in a convincing fashion because after the first two weeks, they need to. I'm flipping off my wife writing mean comments about me in the YouTube channel. Um, somebody get in there and defend me, please. Uh, no, Idaho is going to steamroll Drake. Drake is absolute ass cheeks. Last year, Drake had one FCS win. They beat Butler 6-3. to They're going to get smoked by Idaho. Same. I, it's not going to be close. I think Sam Herder had them picked like eighth in he picked them like eighth in the Pioneer League in his Hero Sports preview. It's not going to be close at all. No, well, we're going through the next games. Martin, we can, one of us can look up the Sagren ratings for Drake, which it, the only reason it would take a long time is because there'd be quite a bit of scrolling involved to find. Oh, I found it, guys. Drake and Sagarin is rated. 246 out of 260. So there are 261. Do not forget about Presbyterian College. Oh my God. You're right. 261. So 246 out of 261. That's part of why I say, look, Idaho needs to win this in a convincing fashion. Look, Idaho's ranked at this point 164 in Sagarin, which doesn't mean anything. No one's played, but that's the reference point. Drake is Drake is expected to get their ass kicked against Idaho. I expect that's what's going to happen, but it's going to be important to me that Idaho, after two rough starts, has to beat the shit out of out of Drake, which leads us to first conference game. And this, to me, man, this might be the most important game of the season. I say this because I think, look, we're this early in the season. Idaho probably doesn't have a ton of injuries yet. It's at Northern Arizona. That's another one of those mid-level teams that if Idaho's going to finish above 500, they have to beat. And I'm going to put Idaho as beating NAU, which I don't, this is where I think we're going to get our first divergence probably. But for me, week four, Idaho, I'm going to pick Idaho over Northern Arizona today. Today as it stands, I can't do it. And I know I'm about to get flamed in the chat. And that's why nobody came to defend me from my mean wife. I am going to pick an NAU victory here. I just, I, I can't take Idaho with the question marks that they have and RJ Martinez being potentially the one of the three best quarterbacks in the big sky right now. I, I can't do it, especially on the road. I got to give it to NAU. I'm going to be at this game. I'm going to be using my hopefully positive powers to make sure Idaho can win. And I, I, think they will i know the last game before isu last year in the toilet bowl they won it was their last road win and back in 2019 so it had been a while so hopefully they can get win number two at nau yeah sager in preseason rating has nau as 153 and idaho at 164 so Sagarin would pick nau beating idaho at nau but in turn again in terms of preseason projections both idaho and nau are thought of as pretty damn close next week this is part of the to me the most important streak for idaho season is that drake nau northern colorado because we have to get some wins there we on october 1st idaho hosts northern colorado for homecoming last week Dallas and I talked about how we think there's no coach in the big sky. You should have less faith in than Ed McCaffrey. We talked about how, look, if Idaho has question marks, NAU has 
expletives before question marks heading into the season. I'm going to pick and and another thing. And a Northern Colorado just can't. last season they couldn't score and they didn't change over their coaching staff. Uh, they some of the key players are absolutely the same people as last season. I'm going to pick Idaho to beat Northern Colorado at homecoming and heading into our bye week the following week. Idaho is going to be running on a three game winning streak with some re- actual momentum. I think the McCaffrey family is closer to getting fired than they are beating Idaho in this game. So I'm going to pick Idaho. I'm picking Idaho fighting McCaffrey's have no chance. Yeah. Uh, Sagarin rating preseason for Northern Colorado is two Oh seven. So then look, we're at our bye week And at this point, Martin and I both have Idaho at three and two Dallas has Idaho at two and three. And the reason why I think that early season stretch is so damn important for Idaho is if we're, if Idaho's going to finish above 500, there's some good teams we have to beat. But first we also got to take care of the games that we should take care of to give us that actual margin of victory on week seven, October 15th, Idaho travels to Montana. Today, Montana is the highest rated team in the big sky in Sagarin ratings at 90. I am not ready to pick an Idaho win. I think that we're approaching the time in the season where Idaho's, if we're going to have injury issues that kind of derail the trajectory, we're around that point here. So look, I'm going to pick you have, to me, you have to pick Montana on paper in Missoula over Idaho at this point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's there is no world that I could pick Idaho going into Missoula and winning. Uh, not right now. Five years from now, maybe, but not right now. I I'm gonna do it. I can't let my ego pick Montana. There he is. <laughs> Which listeners know, look, if Idaho is going to beat Montana in Montana, we're probably not losing again for the rest of the season. Uh, but hey, dude, that's the preview. We got to get the spectrum of results. So following Montana, Idaho gets to host top five Portland State. And side note, God damn it. Like I, we have this rotating schedule in our conference. When do we get a year off of playing Portland State? Like I know that Portland State didn't play in the COVID year, so that doesn't count. But look, if, when Idaho came back to the Big Sky, I was not thinking, "Thank God we get to see Portland State every year." But turns out they're an unofficial protected rival based off of how often Idaho plays them. Sagarin ratings today have Portland State as 171 traveling to Moscow, which means on paper Idaho would be favored in that game against Portland State. We again, you guys should listen to our Big Sky preview episode from last week because not much changes. I look Idaho might be getting the injury bug, but other teams are getting that injury bug too. And Portland state's not going to have a ton of margin of error in the first place. So I'm going to pick Idaho over Portland state. I am also going to take Idaho over top five Portland state. Uh, If anybody remembers much of last year's game, uh, Idaho jumped out to a huge lead before everybody decided to get blackout drunk and completely forget the second half. I think that this game ends up being more like the first half than the second half. Idaho easily beats top five, bottom five, Portland State. Thank you for reminding us, Martin, that we don't play Portland State. We only play top five, Portland State. Uh, now we're 
we're heading into now this is the stretch before I said Idaho had that early stretch that to me is the most important to get those early wins against the not as great teams because to close out boy does Idaho have a bit of a run for the next three weeks before a little reprieve to close out the season October 29th Idaho travels to Sacramento State Sacramento State picked either second or third uh Coaches picked Sacramento State to finish second. Media picked Sacramento State to finish third. Sagarin has Sacramento State as fourth. It doesn't matter which in, which preseason interpretation you take. For Sacramento State at home should be favored over Idaho. I'm going to pick Sacramento State. In year one of Eck on the road against Sacramento State, I, I couldn't, I, I I could not find a reason right now to pick to pick Idaho. It's got to be Sac State. I. I I much that pains me. I I think Sac State Idaho loses this one to Sac State. Well, it's that classic trap game because we have top five Portland State before Sacramento State. But now we're in the next couple games. These to me are some of what should really dictate if Idaho's going to finish over five hundred or not. Because for Idaho to finish over five hundred, we don't have an option. Idaho has to pick up some wins against good teams. The basic scheme you've seen from me and Dallas Martin's the variable with the win at Montana, but the basic breakdown of wins right now is mostly we've picked Idaho to beat the bad teams and lose to the better teams. It in the first game of November. So November 5th, Idaho hosts Eastern Washington, another team with some real question marks, but they've had a coach Aaron best. Who's had a lot of time to build depth at the program. I know the programs have traded wins the last few seasons at whoever is home has picked up the win, but at this point, because injuries are going to matter for every team and Eck just hasn't had enough time to build up depth. I'm going to pick, I'm going to say Eastern, even though it's in Moscow, Eastern Washington is going to pick up the win over Idaho. Also for Eastern this far in, if they have QB issues, they've switched over and you know, they've, they've had time they have depth and they've had time to assess what's working and not working. I got to pick Eastern. Yeah. If, if Eastern was the game opening the big sky, I'd probably pick Idaho on the, the rare upset. If Gunnar Talkington is terrible or, you know, Idaho just being healthier at the end of the year, I, I, I couldn't take Idaho against Eastern. Like you said, if, if they're having quarterback problems, they will have switched to somebody else that will probably have, lighted this, the fuse because that's how Eastern does things over there. They grow quarterbacks in a basement, and then when they decide they need one, they just trot some random dude out, and he plays for four incredible years. So i I'm, I got to take Eastern. Um, I'm picking Idaho. Shane, I don't know if you're listening to this, but he's an Eastern friend of mine. He's an Eastern coworker of mine. It's a big Eastern fan. Just talking them up, but I I feel like the it'll, it'll be a close, but you win for Idaho. following week we play and it's the discussion is similar to what we just had 10 seconds ago idaho hosts uc davis and uh, uc davis another one of those teams that's kind of uh they're certainly not bad but they're viewed as around middle ish but kind of top middle of the conference uh, sagarin has them at 141 again idaho sagarin has it 164 as your preseason you know metrics this is one that pains me because I really, I, I think it's not awful for Idaho if we're going to finish over 500 that some of the teams we have to beat are in Moscow. We're just going over back-to-back games in Moscow against 
some tougher teams, but, and I'm not high on UC Davis. Listen to our preview episode. Uh, but I, I just don't think Idaho yet has the depth this far into the season. I think at some position group, particularly O-line, we're just going to, we're just going to be going to have some difficulty against a team that maybe we think we should beat. This might be the signature game to me that Idaho watch Idaho fans watch and say, look, we we're better than this team, or we should be better than this team. We're just a little bit, we're just a few players short. I'm going to pick UC Davis. This is really weird for me. I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to take Idaho over UC Davis. And here's why. Idaho is absolutely the trap game on UC Davis's schedule. In five weeks, UC Davis goes at Northern Colorado, home Cal Poly, home Idaho State, at Idaho, at Sac State. So they, I, I feel like Idaho lands perfectly in this schedule. The three cream puffs, then it's Idaho, then it's Sac State. They are absolutely if they if they are winning and projected to have a shot at the playoffs. They are going to overlook Idaho for Sac State. I, I in the time that Idaho has been in the Big Sky, I don't think Idaho has beaten UC Davis. I know Dan Hawkins seems to have had Idaho's number for, for a while, quite a while, going back to his Davis as Riverside Tech, I think. And I don't think that stops here at least this year. I think it's going to be a close, but a UC Davis ekes one out. See, this is now Idaho was pretty damn close with UC Davis last season at the time UC Davis was playing their best. See, now I'm talking myself into an Idaho win. This is just the game I'm going to star as I am the least, have the least faith in this prediction of Idaho losing to UC Davis because it's in Moscow. It's just, I have to think that depth at some point is going to impact Idaho's season. And I have to think that because of depth, Idaho's going to have at least one game we should win that we don't. And this to me is the one I'd circle on. UC Davis here is the one I'd circle on my schedule. Dallas would probably circle NAU as the one on his schedule where if Idaho's going to lose a game we should win, Dallas is saying early in the season, which might make sense for the team coming, hasn't come together yet. I'm saying we drop it later in the season because of depth. Then we close the year out at Idaho State. And boy, do I have no real concerns here. Both first-year coaches, neither's had enough time to get de- the, the depth they need in place. And Idaho started off, spoiler alert there, Martin, and Idaho started off a step ahead of Idaho State. I'm going to pick Idaho to easily win the ICCU Battle of the Dome slash King Spud game. Close the season out on a on a high note and give us Vandal. And it won't be like last season's closing against Idaho State, where it was, the, it was most meaningless game in the history of football. This is the kind of thing where we can send the season off in a positive note, talk about how this team was a win away from almost being in the playoffs, and then be stoked about the upcoming offseason on all the new acquisitions and the development we get to see in the spring. Couldn't agree more, Brian. Uh, to me, it, this honestly, this boils down to Jason Eck. Uh, we look at all the reports that we got from anonymous former players, current players, parents, former parents, everybody that thought Paul Petrino had the char- the charisma of a wet paper bag. Jason Eck is the complete opposite. And going into the rivalry game, especially if looking at the way I've predicted the schedule, Idaho doesn't have a much to play for other than it's the rivalry game. But 
Jason Eck is the kind of guy that makes me want to run through a brick wall. And I'm a chubby, bald dude that has zero athleticism in his body. I can't imagine what he's going to do with an entire group of college athletes going down to Pocatello. That This is the biggest lock for me. I think Idaho comes out and punches Idaho State right in the face. I think being with my many alter egos promoting King Spud, Idaho will win. It'll be an easy win for Idaho, I think. It'll just be... I think it'll be similar to the 2019 game where Idaho just steamrolled ISU the on route sports. And that, like, if you walk through the projections we have, Dallas and I both put Idaho at five and six overall, four and four in the big sky. Martin has Idaho at seven and four overall, six and two in the big sky. I think it's understood, guys, that if Idaho finishes six and two in the big sky, that that Idaho team makes the playoffs. And that is a clear fan should be stoked about how the season finishes out. Dallas, if Idaho finishes the way you project five and six, but you know, again, I gotta jump back to your prediction when you talk about Idaho State saying there's not a lot to play for. Well, finishing at 500 is above in conference is above 500. So I think that's not not nothing, but if Idaho finishes four and four in conference, five and six overall, how are you feeling at the end of the season? Ecstatic, honestly. If if this goes the way I've I've projected it out, and they they come off the bye, yes, they lose to Montana, Sac State, and Eastern, but they beat Portland State, UC Davis, and Idaho State solidly five hundred in the Big Sky at the end of X first year. I couldn't be more happy about this. I know that. We all hope that it's going to be like Martin's prediction or better and that Idaho is going to go make a playoff run. But if I'm being realistic, going 500 in the big sky, I would have probably stabbed people for that last year or the previous three before that. So I couldn't be happier with with 500 in the big sky. Yeah, four and four in the big sky. I'd call that a representative win for Idaho this season. Uh, One, we wouldn't be finishing below 500, but two... If we're if we finish four and four in the big sky, then you suddenly have more of a case for it. Look, this is a team that's obviously on the outside looking in playoff wise. But if we had a schedule like Montana, Montana State, where we had that extra out of conference SCS game where this team suddenly, even though they're on they're clearly on the outside looking in, if they're five and six overall, four and four in conference, just a slightly different as OOC schedule explains how this team is closer. Or like we both talked about, we think, look, first year head coach, O-line depth is an issue. Uh, Redshirt freshman very likely starting uh, as quarterback this season. There's going to be some lumps at some point, whether it's early in people getting their, you know, getting themselves set or whether it's late where teams now have more tape and freshman quarterback just hasn't had to go against teams who know what he wants to do and what he's good at. There's going to be, you should project a loss that you don't think should have happened this season. So look four and four in conference five and six overall. That sounds like a, an high end of a Petrino season, but tonally for me, what I care about is that we can see the generalizable things about how Idaho's better going into the future. And if we lose a couple games because we're starting some young guys or we lack depth, whatever, it's a first year head coach. He needs, he needs some leeway. And if look the way we've talked about this so far, Dallas is we're, cl- we're fine. We think all Vandal fans need to give Jason Eck a clean slate. 
Like we, as much as this show was harsh on Paul Petrino, because we we should be, this is X first year. There needs to be some allowance for development and growing pains, both in the coaching staff and in the roster. Five and six overall, four and four in conference. That to me would say there's some representative wins that explain why I am still just stoked about Idaho football coming into next season. Absolutely. Even honestly, the you look at the games that you and I kind of split the NAU and the UC Davis game, even if they lost both of those and and went four and seven and three and five in the big sky, this is this is still like there are building blocks happening here. And that's that's the key to take away. Even if this ends up being a rough season, there was like there was nothing to build off of from last year. Like Paul Petrino lost that locker room. Idaho was getting blown out game after game. At it, it, like you could tell that the players just didn't care anymore. Like not didn't care to play football, but didn't care to listen to him. And honestly, I didn't care to listen to him the, the first day he stepped on campus. But that's another story. Get a couple beers in me off camera, and we'll talk. But like, I. There's, there's, there's a rebuilding that has to happen here. I mean, you saw the Kibbe Dome at the end of last year. There was nobody in it. Like, th- this is a, this is a rough rebuild job. We think that Eck is the guy, and that he's going to make progress, and they're going to go 500 in conference first year. But it, even if that doesn't happen, there's, there's no reason to be disappointed that it didn't happen. Like, there, if you, if you take a big step back, this is a team that dropped down to the FCS thought they were going to win and got punched in the in the face just year after year after year after year. The fan base has dwindled. Attendance is at an all-time low. Like there this is a pretty rough shape for this program to be in. It it could take a lot of time to turn this around. So give Eck the patience if the first year does not go out as well as we all hope. Now, and the the two things I'm going to point to schedule-wise we we talk through as being important in different ways. There's two stretches that are going to be make or break to me for Idaho season. We already talked about that early stretch after the two FBS games of versus Drake at NAU versus Northern Colorado. Getting momentum there is absolutely essential for any sort of positive outcome in Idaho season. The second make or break stretch is after Sac State. It's back-to-back home games of Eastern and UC Davis. If Idaho is a team that finishes above 500 and makes the playoffs, then that means we have to be able to beat both those teams. Probably both those teams are in that same mid ish tier that Idaho is with Eastern and UC Davis at this point being understood as a, before we played games being understood as being above Idaho. If Idaho is going to make the playoffs, we have to be stepping over teams who were picked below and that November 5th and November 12th game versus Eastern then versus UC Davis, both in Moscow. That's that other make or break time the way you would just read the schedule for me in dallas right now is idaho doesn't doesn't make it in both of those stretches martin do you have any last thoughts you've been silent for for quite a while i want to see if you've got no i've I've got no no words of wisdom right now well that's our over that's our overall season prediction um now, just a couple, I guess, kind of fun or just a couple, you know, like hot take questions, Dallas, to go through. Um, safe to say, NA, what's the single I, the single Idaho loss you have the least, that you picked, you have the least amount of confidence in? You have the least amount of confidence that they win, or you mean the least amount of confidence you that I might be wrong? 
you picked a loss and you have the least amount of confidence that Idaho will actually lose that game. Oh, you, I mean, you put the words in my mouth earlier. It's NAU. It's absolutely NAU. That's the one that's like a coin flip to me. Like the only reason I picked that is because their quarterback might be one of the best in the, in the conference at this point, it just based on everybody leaving. He looked pretty good last year. Once they finally figured that out, it's Idaho's first conference game under Eck. I just, I can't project what's, realistically Idaho is going to come into this one and two. They're probably going to get steamrolled by two power five schools and then crush an abysmal pioneer league team. We're not going to have a, a really good picture of what this team is. So it's a, it's a total coin flip to me there. Okay. At least confident, a confident loss that I projected is UC Davis because I just don't think there's almost any talent gap between Idaho and UC Davis, except for maybe some depth. And that, that is it. Martin, of Idaho losses, you only predicted four. What conf- what loss do you have the least amount of confidence in your pick? I think I'm the same. I think it's I think UC Davis is a, just a true coin flip for me. Okay. Dallas, Idaho win that you picked that you have the least amount of confidence in. I was going to say UC Davis, but I feel like we're all just going to say it's the NAU and the UC Davis game. So I'm going to pivot. I'm going to say Portland State. Portland State, this is like this is their year. If if Barnum wants to keep his job, this is the year that everything has to happen for them. They brought back almost their entire team except their quarterback. Now, yes, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. So replacing him is going to be a tough stretch for them. But I mean, they realistically they should have probably beat idaho last year with how poorly they played in the second half completely new coach that's going to change a bunch of things but on paper portland state brings back a decent enough team if they can figure out the quarterback that's that's one that i'm not super confident i am going to go with the pick dallas just made dallas said that i was going to make which is at northern arizona because it's early and there's a world where you can understand redshirt freshman starting quarterback who had a really rough first two first two weeks, uh, or we're just a month into Eck coaching games. You can understand the team maybe having not yet hit their stride. That's to me part of why that game is so goddamn important because finishing that first five weeks at three and two instead of two and three even though it's just one game to me there's a big difference there but northern arizona is not a bad team they've had the same coach for three years you talked about rj martinez we talked about kevin daniels last last uh last week northern arizona is projected like i said 153 sagarin so on paper they're above idaho right now so i guess that would be the one i have the least amount of confidence in martin what about you i think for me it's eastern i the Eastern and UC Davis games are two coin flips. And I just think it's that one could go either way. They could make a field goal in Idaho and Eastern and Idaho could miss one. It's that kind of close the game. I think it's going to be. Okay. And, or Eastern could make one that they technically miss and Idaho could win another game. Thanks to the beauty of the Kibbe Dome scoreboard. Not trying to like throw daggers into Patty's heart or anything while he's listening. So I guess I don't know. Oh, and um, hey, b- pick both offensive and defensive MVP for Idaho Dallas. Wow, that came out of nowhere. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, You're welcome. Ooh, <laughs> offensive MVP. I'm gonna go with Therese Trainer. 
um, defensive MVP. Man, that's a tough one. I'm going to go Favai Favai. I know that's the easy pick, but there's a reason that he's the captain. He's the guy that went to media days. He's the guy that got the all-conference recognition. I'm going with those guys. Offensive player because we know that Jason Eck, even though he's not calling plays, he's going to have his footprint on this team. At South Dakota State last season, team ran about 58% of the time, passed about 42% of the time. Got to expect with a redshirt freshman quarterback, X going to try to run a game that's favorable to minimizing potential Giovanni McCoy mistakes because of the learning curve. I'm going to go Roshan Johnson. He's look, he's looked very good in the preseason of every single year, like we talked about. He started to put it together last season in a way he had not been able to due to injuries prior. I think with more creative offensive play calling, you're gonna see some holes for Rashawn. And by the way, he he's big, he doesn't need gigantic holes. I think we're just gonna see a little bit more openness when he has the ball at times, and I think that's gonna translate into um Rashawn having many more 100-yard games. Like last season, even though Rashawn had a better season, he only had one game where he rushed over 100 yards. I think that's going to happen a couple times this season. And defense, defensive MVP for me this year, that is another tough one that, uh, man. I'm going to go with look, Leo Tomba. Saying Leo Tomba, because look, I know our linebackers are strong, but there's a lot of good linebackers in the big sky that year in and year out there are. I'm going to say if Idaho is solid this year, part of it is the front seven. Part of it is someone steps, a couple guys step up on the D line. We know that size of this defensive line is not as big as Idaho has been the last couple seasons, which means speed is going to matter a little bit more for this team. And Leo Tomba converted linebacker, um, I'm going to say I'm going to call him defensive MVP because I think he's going to have an impact on this season that you might not expect. Martin Baccio. Offensive MVP. I think it's going to be a, I wouldn't say safe pick, but I was going to go running back. I think I'm going to change it now. I think Giovanni is going to be leaning on maybe some more of the tight end. And I think I'm going to go Connor Whitney for offensive MVP this year. Oh, even over Alex Moore, who's been like mm-hmm. the favorite target. Mm-hmm. Okay. Understand. Okay. Defensive MVP. Uh, Giuliano Falanico. I'm going to think he's going to have a big impact that is going to fuck shit up. I should have said Falanico, man. Probably just terrified of screwing up that first name. So, so I have look. a spicy hot take I want to jump in about with this. Throw it in. We got hot take time. The reason I did not go running back is because. I honestly don't think that Idaho is going to have a running back put in, put together enough individual stats to win that type of award. I guys, Andre Carter looked so good in 2019. If he's back in shape this year, I I think he's going to end up stealing a lot of carries from Roshan. I know that Roshan's the captain. I know that he's the redshirt senior, but goddamn, Andre Carter looks so good as a freshman. If he's back in shape, I I question honestly how much of the 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 game Roshan's going to see because I thought Andre Carter that year was the best running back on this team. Yeah, see, from what I saw on scrimmage, I I have no reservations saying Roshan looked like the number one running back on the team. But 
it's hot take time. Andre Carter was effective, was kind of electric, weirdly electric for the style of runner he is in 2019. He's had some time to get back in shape. Yeah, dude, maybe, maybe right. Um, I don't have much else to talk about this season. Well, I do, but in keeping the episode under two hours, um, I'm ready to jump into a little bit of house cleaning stuff. First thing is, and Martin, you, you teased it earlier. Brian, uh, let me do, should we do my thing first and then end with the, uh, the tease you think maybe? Producing in public, go ahead. Okay. Well, first, ain't nothing like Vandal football, right, Brian? Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, first of all, starting off the Martin, <laughs> the Martin minute, uh, Rob, it was a little bit of rough soccer. They started off nice 2-0 win against UC San Diego and then had a clunker follow-ups, lost 7-2 to San Diego State. I don't know what happened. It was just, it wasn't pretty. I know they play their next game is on Sunday at Sunday at one in the Kibbe Dome. If you're in Moscow, come come out to the game. It'll be a great one. Uh, other than that, I don't got a whole lot. I know Idaho the volleyball starts their season this week. I can't remember the exact games. I know they have one, a couple coming up. It is a young new team, but they look really good with all the new players they got. And hey, you know what? I want to first off, I want to. Big congrats to Brian making it a full, almost a full show without going veggie talk. I really, really want to congrats him on that. And that's all I got for the minute. And I lied, guys. We have another football segment. We have to start picking the big sky because there's a big sky game. This is week zero in college football. Idaho State travels to UNLV this Sunday for the first big sky game of the season. Dallas, who are you picking? I mean, UNLV. I mean, I, I just, I'm not taking the other, I'm not taking a non-FBS school in an FCS-FCS game. I'm just not, unless it's Montana, I'm, I just can't do it. Are you sure? Idaho State has only rated 86 teams below UNLV and Sagarin ratings. UNLV is 114, Idaho State's 200. Obviously, you should pick UNLV to win this. The biggest news out of Idaho State recently is that Tyler Vanderwalt is going to be their starting quarterback. That was announced the day after we recorded. Martin, UNLV, Idaho State, who are you picking? Uh, I'll go 45-14 UNLV over Idaho State. I am that confident with the score. Yeah. Um, okay. The house cleaning now that we can get to is, one, patrons – we have some stickers we're going to be sending out to you guys. They're not just Tubs of the Club stickers. They're spe they're designed with uh, you guys in mind. Worked with an artist named Justine Beltron in Coeur d'Alene. And we came up with our very own King Spud Tubs of the Club stickers. Martin's thrown it up. That's me holding up the uh, sticker next to my own King Spud. We're these are already ready to be sent out for patrons. They're going to hit the post office tomorrow. So if you're a patron, you're going to get a couple uh, King Spud stickers. If you uh, are not a patron and you want them, you can either get, you can direct message us and get them. What it's $2.99 for one or two or $4.99 for two. Uh, we'll, we'll create a website, a page or something like that. So people can know uh, how to get a hold of us. But honestly, just message us through Twitter or Gmail and we'll get them to you. But again, this is stuff you guys get for free. If you're a patron at, 
hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Not only do we send you guys free, send you guys stuff, but uh, support from listeners is what lets us kind of do the show the way we've been doing it. So if you want your very own King Spud, join. If you already joined, it's in the mail. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be changing our recording time starting next week because I have no choice but to change it. So we'll uh, still be Tuesdays, but a little bit later, Tubs After Dark, 845-ish, is about when we'll be launching. And that's all I got. Thanks for joining. This has been our preview. Uh, hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you want to help us out that way too. Otherwise, we have a real game to talk about next week. Martin will do whatever the hell he wants to close us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. <laughs>